Oh no. I blame the children. Let's just, let's just say there's a pile of boxes on the floor. Oh, you don't have cats. <laughs> I have cats and there are always boxes. My foyer. We were supposed to watch cats. No. Oh yes, god. We were supposed to watch cats. Oh man. <laughs> we were supposed to write an essay on Idris Elba, but I, I don't really feel like it. Oh, I was going like Julie Andrews cats. Nope. We will watch Cats only when the butthole cut is released, and not before. Good. I'll still watch to it. the regular cut. No! <laughs> only the butthole cut. I'm uncomfortable now. You'll be safe. Yeah. It's okay. And I'm the asshole for not wanting to look at assholes. Yeah! <laughs> How does that make you an asshole? I don't understand. <laughs> that cat is showing you its appreciation of you by showing you its butthole a centimeter <sighs> from your eyeballs. Appreciate it. I'm a dog person. <laughs> Puckering away. Pulsating. Trying to beckon you in. Squishing. <laughs> Grody. <laughs> Guys, you're, make, you're making the uh, real difficult for me to decide what I'm going to put in here for content. Or real easy. <laughs> Good. Excellent. We're just going to drop right in. Hey, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. And we're the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we took a wrong turn down a multiple choice alley of doom by watching Labyrinth. And boy, did we ever. This is, uh, <laughs> man. Have you not seen this movie before, Ken? I have. And uh, back when I watched this movie the first time, I must have been real sleepy or something because I could not, for the life of me, get into this movie. It was just... Uh, the music didn't hit right. The acting was all weird. The characters were meh. And... Uh, That's how I feel about Dark Crystal. I could just never get into Dark Crystal no matter how many times I try. Oh, I take, well, I take Dark see, Crystal this was, over this I only watched day. it one time. I only watched it one time, and I was like, okay, that's enough Labyrinth for the rest of my life. And then Joe said, let's watch it for this podcast. And I said, well, it has to be better than that last movie we watched, so uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so that's your history with the movie? Oh, you kids I mean, and your Caddyshack. It, it yeah. was better than Caddyshack. I will, I will give you that. <laughs> Much. So uh, that's Ken's history with the movie. Dan, what's your history? I, first time I watched this was probably a junior or senior year of high school. I had a girlfriend at the time who was big into Labyrinth, and I'm like, I've never seen this movie, and it's got David Bowie. What could go wrong? I was so wrong. Were you, though? I just can't. I, I don't like this movie. No? Dance, Pettigrew, dance. <laughs> nah. Well, dance, well we have a whole dance. section... Of this show for you. Yep, we have a whole section That's for the, it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's the I'm Dan gonna, section. I'm gonna behave. Of the show. <laughs> Dan Magic Dan. No. <laughs> no. How about you, Andy? You're just jealous because Hoggle makes you look bad. Hoggle makes me look bad. Well, I guess I'll... Hoggle has a wonderful skin character. Take that over being called Ludo. I guess. What? My, my, I feel like my dog looks like Ludo, and I, I feel like there's a missed opportunity not renaming him to be Ludo. 
makes me a little sad inside. Yeah, you didn't think of it because this is a shit movie. You call him Ambrosius. No, I thought of it. I thought of it immediately. Immediately, I was like, "You look like Ludo," and my wife was like, "No, I, I don't know what that is." And I'm like, "It's from Labyrinth." And she's like, "No," <laughs> that's where it ended. No, oh, okay, so, so your wife has taste. Excellent. Ooh, yes, his boo. <laughs> um, we'll have words about this eventually. My my uh, history with this is my sister and my mom were like obsessed with showing it to me. However, there was a point where my sister kept trying to rent it from Family Video when I was younger, and it was gone. And after like calling back for like a month straight trying to rent it, come to find out that the person who rented it just never returned it. And it was just missing. So that jerk. That would never happen. Not at a family video. Not at a fan vid. I guess the family video employee said it was like the third time that that's happened with a copy of Labyrinth, so they just couldn't keep Labyrinth around. Every time they got it, somebody stole it. So yeah, yeah. Why? As a former employee of a family video, there are certain movies you just don't stock because they encourage certain ne'er do wellery. Uh, <laughs> Labyrinth is one of them. You just you you don't buy it because it's gone and you can't get your money. Why back would from you want to keep nope. a rented version of this movie? I don't understand. I don't know. It's especially when you have your name and everything on record. It's like why? Why would you just? I don't understand. I never understood stealing movies from video rental stores. But... Especially since they have no qualms about putting you towards collections for a stupid movie. Exactly. Like, what a, what a way to mess with things. We finally did get a hold of a copy from, I think it was Hollywood Video or somewhere else. Yeah, it, I loved it. I I loved it a lot. And as the years have gone on, I, I watch it. And I, I watch it maybe once every couple of years. Recently just bought the 4K digital version, so I, I watched that this time around. And I still love it. Still love everything about it. I'm a huge David Bowie fan, so that's probably one of my biases. Jennifer Connelly is like a mixed bag for me in this movie, so I'll get to that. But yeah, I st- yeah, it's it's been one of those movies that's been in rotation, and I have friends, and we all sing dance magic dance, and we play labyrinth board games and things like that. So I, I have a circle of, of close knit friends who enjoy this movie and enjoy David Bowie quite a bit. Sure. Uh, my history is also, I guess, kind of similar to Andy's. Whereas my sister was one of the, well, is the key reason I watch this movie still, because she was all into it when she was in high school, and therefore, since she's watching it, I'm around and I enjoy my sister's presence, so then I watch it with her, and then I start liking it, for good reason, I guess. Plus, uh, she's also the sister that got me into watching Amadeus as well as a little kid, which a lot of people don't quite understand that jump that I made that I was like, yes, I like the movie Amadeus. And it's like, when did you start watching it? I don't know, when I was before I was in school or something (laughs) like when I was in grade school. Yeah, that's a little intense. Wow. Um. <laughs> and also, she introduced me to a lot of '80s horror films. So, all these things were because of my sister, and uh, this is one of them. And she always wanted a Sir Didymus plush, and I can understand why. He's cute and funny, and has a I get it fuzzy dog and brocious. Joe, sounds like we had spirit sisters, and that makes me happy. My sister introduced <laughs> me to '80s horror as well, and everything else. Wait, did you have the same sisters? <gasps> maybe, maybe, <What>? who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, there, I think, there's uh, documentation for this, guys. I think my sister's favorite character in the film was the caterpillar, if oh, I remember sure. correctly. That's a good, it's a worm, that's a good not choice. a caterpillar. The worm. Yeah, not, not caterpillar. Worm, yes. The T-worm. <laughs> and I was actually yeah. thinking about getting her a uh, replica of that because somebody just made a statue. Oh, they're all over Etsy. That? Like, people just make them out of, like, Sculpey and fur. Yeah. Well, if anyone has not seen this film, I'll do a short summary of it. Uh, there's a girl who likes community theater, and <laughs> she likes to practice out in the park because no one hangs out in the that particular pretty park in Astoria. So she's going to go home and sulk in her room like she does every night because apparently she doesn't have friends. And then her parents are like, you got to watch the baby. And she's like, fuck the baby. Not because she hates the baby, but because she hates her stepmom. And then goes and sulks in her room and makes some bad choices in anger. And then wishes her baby to be taken, uh, not her baby, whoa, wishes her baby brother to be taken (laughs) away. Which then he is by the Goblin King, David Bowie. And... Then she's like, oh, no, I didn't mean it, and has to go through the labyrinth to get her baby brother back. That's, mm-hmm. that's the gist of it. And then there's some puppets. And some? good, good puppets. There are many puppets. A lot of puppets. They're all fantastic. So I many mean, they're, puppets. They're I Henson, they are Henson puppets, so they're going to be good. Yes. 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 Jim Henson directed film. Mm-hmm. Yep. That matters. To your point, Joe, I, I, I've watched this movie probably about a dozen times, maybe a little bit more than a dozen times, and this is the first time I've ever noticed, like, where her mom is. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. why I didn't pay attention. I, yeah, I, like, I paid I attention this time, too. Like, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gives a reason why she's into theater and why yeah, she does yeah, all exactly. that. I was like, oh, I've never noticed that before. Isn't that nuts? That's after so many viewings, all of a sudden that just stood out this time. So if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, her mom obviously was in theater, and that's why she's in the theater. Her mom, her mom, her real mom, not her stepmom, and uh, obviously passed away without anyone ever mentioning it. Yep. Which is fine. You don't have to. It's alluded to, and that works. Absolutely. There's obviously that rift between her and her stepmom for no reason other than the fact that she's a stepmom. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> The entirety of the uh, of her character is such a wonderful, angsty child, hating oh. everyone for no reason except for the fact that she's mildly inconvenienced. That's hey, a lot of she teenagers. Hate Merlin. She does not hate <laughs> Merlin. She loves that dog. Okay, that is true. Uh, the mother-in-law <laughs> is terrible to the dog. True. Yeah. True. Pouring rain and forces to go in the garage. That's enough. Stepmom is not a dog person, obviously. What does dad see in stepmom? Because... Ah, uh, date night. Blonde. Oh, oh, good date nights. Oh, yeah. It's got to be the sex. It's It's got to be that, the dressing, the big poofy silk dress. I, I don't know. Big shoulders. The tall hair. No, I mean. Tall hair. We're, we're, there you go. We're making fun of this, and this was things that happened in the 80s. Yeah, everyone had these things. I know. That's why we're making fun of them. It's fine. Well, <laughs> right. actually, if you look at it, he didn't have to parent at all. Like, he didn't even go through a door to talk to his daughter. His his His... His wife, his new wife, just takes care of all the parenting. <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, I got stuff to say about that, but I'll keep that for the Dan section. <laughs> hey, can we not make this my section? <laughs> there's uh, column A, column B for me. It's it's gonna be it's a good it's it's, it's gonna there's gonna be some good stuff in both sections. Yeah, I should open yeah. my notes. I mean, I have as much as I say I don't like Labyrinth. I have watched it at least half a dozen times at this point, and I think it's because I keep forgetting that. I don't like this movie, and I want to like this movie, but I just, I can't. I think that's my problem. One of these viewings, it, it'll it'll get you, Dan. One of these viewings. One of these viewings? Well, I mean, it's going to be, it's it's going to be a while. <laughs> You'll MC Escher your way into liking this movie. I mean, it's already been like 20 years. MC, yeah, Escher, Escher your way into it, Dan. Jump, jump, just jump off. You'll, you'll just float on down, and it'll be okay, and then you'll like it. <laughs> mm. Well, I'll start off with saying that this was the best damn 3D owl of 1986. Yeah. That was pretty freaking fancy. Right? Consider yeah, considering yeah. the time and there's only a couple of bits where the graphics get stupid and it's not even the owl. It's just the way that they like they cut the the hard edges around the box that was the owl being animated. It's the only complaint that I had with that owl. But that yeah. wasn't even the owl. It was just how they edited it. Edited it. Oh my god! Edited it into the movie. Uh, when I was reading on the internet uh, some trivia, and they had mentioned that this was the first attempt at a photorealistic owl uh, animal in, in any Hollywood movie. I was like, oh yeah, that's nice. It, it definitely looks really good, especially for the time. I mean, it looks a little metallic, but whatever. I don't care. Like you said, 1986. Hell yeah, that's great. I only have metallic owls in my. Oh fuck! What movie was that? The uh. Yeah, Ubo. it's a Titans Yeah, Clash movie. of the Titans. Yep, yep, there you go. That's it. I only like Metallic Owls in my Clash of the Titans movies. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I already made a little bit of comments about the beginning of the movie uh, in the park and the parents. I'm, I'm going to say that the movie does a good job going really fast, getting you to the things you want to see if you're watching this movie, and that's the puppets and the fantasy elements. It doesn't really wait. It kind of just steamrolls right into it. And I like, you know, their first introduction is just a pile of goblins. Is she going to say it? And then she says something like, that's that's not it. As if they're just waiting for, like, they know she's the one who's going to be saying something. Very fun. I laughed quite a bit. I was like, why are they showing the goblins already? That, it just seems like a giveaway of the, and then... Then the punchline to the joke, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Very fun. I love it. I love all of the Henson puppets. There's not a single one of them that I, that don't like. Each, Even the, like, third party, not third party, like, the, the, the tertiary, <laughs> ordinary, you know, the, the characters that mean nothing and are totally in the background, each one of them is unique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even the eyes and the moths yep. on yes. the wall. Yes, because they're all moving. They're all watching. Those are amazing. I, I really love those eyes. Yes. I can't get over how much detail was put into all of these puppets, and I feel like they spent a lot of budget on, on the puppets and not the rest of the movie. Makes sense. It's a Henson movie. That's what Henson yeah, is like all about. Henson and that's, you know, <laughs> have a, a, a modicum of a, 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 a cohesive story. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh Dan, oh, Dan, I think you're misconceived about the 1980s and uh, Muppet yeah. movies, Henson movies. They aren't before this as was cohesive what? as you think they are. That's why I have a problem with Dark Crystal. I feel like it's like way the hell out there and I can't follow along. Right. Dark Crystal was, had its own problems. It, it dooned itself. 
But the thing, yeah, but the I thing with that, that is that they that. they released but, the comic books then, later like, for Dark Crystal, which tells a, oh, all of the lore. That makes sense with Dark Crystal, and then there was the animated film. But also, like Henson really wanted to do Dark Crystal as well as Labyrinth. You can see that Henson got to do what he wanted to do with Labyrinth and the labor of love he put into it, just by all of the detail, the stupid hands, the eyeballs in the swamp the little worm like all these all these details in this movie you can tell that he just poured so much of his soul into this movie and really wanted people to love this movie exactly he wanted to address dark crystal with that same energy but this nobody understood what he wanted to do there like you want to make a you want to make a dark movie like and like they didn't want him to do that so he was going against a lot of pushing and then i think there's something to do with him selling off the rights and then buying the rights back and a whole bunch of stuff. So it was very difficult for him to get the movie even done the way he wanted it done. Okay. Yeah. For Dark Crystal. I could Crystal. see that. I could see that with, with, with Labyrinth. It's like, what? You have Bowie? No. Okay. Do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> and he did. Go ahead. Yeah. And uh, Free reign. Uh, Bowie for this movie was actually kind of Bowie's own doing. Uh, Jim Henson yeah. originally wanted Sting for the part. And then his yes, kids are like, that. well, why not Bowie? He's... <laughs> really popular right now and then uh bowie says hey i want to be in your movie it sounds really fun and so it was just one of those things where both people are there and they're like <laughs> all right we're gonna have bowie i guess and if i also remember uh, correctly i wonder if i would have liked this movie better if it was sting no you wouldn't i, I mean no. really we'll never know we will never know he was busy doing dune <laughs> i i believe i also saw something that it said once they brought david bowie on board and they're like, yeah, you can uh, help make them you know, make the music for it too. And he's like, okay. And like two days later, he has a demo yeah, track that he's already really planned oh, right. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yep, yeah. He went nuts with that. So far. there's a bunch of music that he made so that good. never Absolutely. got released for for it, if I remember correctly. Other tracks I'd that love to hear it. just didn't make the cut. I would like I would like to like listen to yeah. his release of the album and not like like the the, the movie soundtrack. Yeah. I feel like had sure. he released his thoughts on the movie as music, it, I'd like it more, maybe? I don't know. I try. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> hey, I'll also, since we're talking about the music, I'll I'll mention that I really like that even though Jareth is the villain of the movie, all his songs do not r- depict a negative attitude Really, they're not like angry songs. They're well, not I mean, evil Dance, songs. Dance is deciding what they're just kind what of kind of songs to use to change the baby, which is technically dark. But yeah. but I mean, like yeah, it's just a baby. Certain lines. No, no, no. Dark is like Mufasa dark or Scar dark. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Scar. Yeah, now, there's a villain. Scar. Yeah. I just think that the music that he sings in the film is, even though it may be something about changing a baby with magic or uh, gaslighting a young girl into convincing her that everything is for her and that she's the actual one in charge, the music doesn't make you feel like this evil energy. It just, it's, it's very positive music no matter what. Yeah. I completely agree, Joe. It's not like he's singing, like, evil plans. It's not like he's singing, like, sinister things to come. It's just he's trying to make a baby laugh. He's trying to do this and that. It's just, it's very positive music. Yeah. It's enjoyable. He's even trying to make her 
feel or realize several times like he's trying to help her. All he's doing is doing what she asked him to do. I guess for other things that, I, that we like that's not Bowie, uh, I do enjoy that uh, Jennifer Connelly goes from a angsty, that's not fair teen to the point where she is actually not uh, in a not fair situation that she uh, doesn't say that. She's just like, all right, I got something to do. I got to do this. Yeah. Like she shows some really good character growth all throughout the movie. Like even once she gets into the labyrinth, uh, she goes from being very self-centered in her own mind to, you know, listening to a worm. Was it the right decision? Probably not. But <laughs> she started listening. I got a I got a whole spiel on, on that, and I'm going to save it for later because... You don't like it. No, 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 no. It's not a dance section. It's an exterior to the <laughs> the the like and Dan sections of the show. Yeah, and the worm. I'm just a worm. If you wouldn't want to go in the other way, that would have brought it right to the castle. Yeah, that worm is amazing for having like good worm. three minutes of screen time. Constantly asking her to come inside. To meet the missus. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, very... Never-ending story vibes, like just a nice, friendly worm that is in a relationship, and it's just like, oh, stop everything you're doing and just come in inside, have a cup of tea, and hang out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like the two little, uh, whatever they were, is in Never-Ending Story. <laughs> the old scientist man and his wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just was going to say, I think that that ask of, come on inside, have a cup of tea, meet the missus, to the viewer, um, you're basically in the seat of the Sarah character, and like, that's ridiculous. I... I can't come inside. You're a worm. You live in this little hole. But it's also the <laughs> labyrinth. She totally can go in that hole. She can. Because everything's mm -hmm. a trick. Everything is a facade. Everything is a mask or a trick or something. So, yeah, she can go in there if she wants to. She gets no, to I decide. I felt more, more like it was a sense of urgency. Like, she is only has the, whatever, 11 hours at that point? Nine hours? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exterior to the whole timetable she has to go get her brother. Taking the time out for a cup of tea was not feasible. At least that was the way that it felt felt like to me. The pacing keeps everything engaging, I feel, that, you know, there's always something happening that needs to be resolved, and it's always resolving, so you f it's like positive forward momentum in the film. Everything's being asked and being answered, or at least resolved. I feel resolving. like the pacing was a little too fast, to be honest. There were portions of this movie that I wish would have gone longer, but at the same time, there are also parts and portions of this movie that I wish would have been shorter. So I I agree with you too. Like the fireies, yeah, it kind of comes hand in hand with it though. Like the movie's staying on a quick pace because she's staying on a quick pace. Like yeah, she's got to keep moving. She's got yeah, to get I would to the babe. To spend more time in this world. Well, I mean that that hits on the, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly, the main exactly. thing that I don't like about this movie so we'll hang on to that and also remember this this is a children's, it is a children's movie. movie i i am aware children's of that. attention spans are different from adults yep yeah i personally thought most of the pacing was spot on it was great like i really enjoyed the uh junk ladies mm -hmm. yes uh the way <laughs> yes. that they're like they just start piling stuff on top of her to try to make her into one of them Yep. It's wonderful. It's great. It's kind of a amazing life lesson for children. Like, it's all just kind of let it go a little bit. But uh, mm -hmm. depending on your point of view, you could say that's really a quick scene and you'd like to hang out with them a lot. But I feel like 
we got the perfect amount of the junk ladies where we can love the character, the idea, we get the message, and now we can move on. Same with Chili Down. Like, Chili Down was perfectly timed. No need well, to go any further into that. Definitely not any further. That one felt like it might have been a little bit too long, although... You're a, you're a liar. You're a liar. <laughs> Ultimately, that was the reason why I didn't like the movie the first uh, first time, was those stupid red things dancing around. Well, I mean, very yeah, poorly that's inserted what? into the movie. Awful green um, screen. That and puppetry it, is amazing. Well, they can't the help that. flying around. The whole fact that you know that there is like one or, uh, I'm going to say probably two to three people puppeting each one of those characters so that they can move independent of each body part come on it's the same so it was at the same time that i watched this movie as i watched terminator for the first time and i uh also disliked terminator for the first time because of similar reasons it just looked like a stop at stop action animatronic in the middle of other people doing what they're supposed to be doing it didn't look good to me and I you couldn't spoiled get brats. into the movie. <laughs> As I'm older now, I can be like, okay, that's fine. I don't need it to look exactly right. I can jump into this and be fine. Like It hit me at the wrong point in my life. Now is the, is the pro- appropriate time in my life for these uh, type of movies. Or, you know, before I was uh, a younger me as well would have been appropriate. But I can't go back. I can only go forward. The masquerade scene is... That's gorgeous. one of the scenes that I I, I wanted. I cannot express I how beautiful that. that scene is. Like, yeah, there is so much going on in that amazing. entire scene. I almost felt like it was going on too long, and then it ended. I get that that it's paced the way that it's paced, but it could have they could have totally extended a bit of that that whole her being drugged by the peach and dealing with her inner demons. Yeah, that would have been cool. Again, yep. If it's a movie yep, for I young it. adults and adults, I imagine that happening. But mm-hmm. to me, it felt almost uh, perfectly paced, almost a bit long in the tooth, just because it is a kids' movie and they don't necessarily care as much about like all the little interested kisses that go on into that. But uh, also, true, true, it felt. Now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, it kind of feels like a. Uh, homage to the original Muppet show where they have those ball scenes where everyone's dancing and they're going around making jokes. Hmm. He really likes those, uh, those, those big ball numbers, but no, I love that scene where Jareth keeps on jumping around to different areas and she's looking for him somewhere. There's all sorts of cool things going on. Everything's just looks so good there. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful scene. I do love that one. Yeah. I, I didn't find out until years later that this is actually probably one of the scenes why the movie was so popular to my sister <laughs> oh really i guess uh i guess a female audience of the 80s children of the 80s uh yeah are you kidding yeah, the me that's for david bowie and i guess uh bam that the scene if you look at the <laughs> the dress that they put jennifer Connolly in the, the what they do with her hair the stuff they weave oh, into man. her hair Hell yeah, if I were a young lady in the 80s, I'd be in love with that scene too, just for the whole fact of, you know, like how they made her into this like gorgeous fantasy well, all of, young all lady. All of Labyrinth is that way though. Exactly. And it exactly. wasn't something that I, I, I was, that was something that I noticed this watch is that everything in the Labyrinth up until the goblins, the goblin village is covered in glitter. I never yes. noticed that. I saw that too. I was going to That's in the bad. <laughs> There's glitter everywhere. Huh. <laughs> no one can go home without 
depositing a pound of glitter into their pillows. <laughs> oh, that's very fun. And even worse, it almost looks like it was wet glitter. Yep. Oh. Like everything's wet and glittery. God. <laughs> so it ain't coming off for a year. That's 80s glitter, so it's going to be made out of glass. Oh. <laughs> oh, even better. Well, in a, in a land where fairies bite you, I mean, that's just makes sense. Fairies are feral creatures. <laughs> I, I know. I, I love that scene with Hoggle just poisoning the crap and out counting. of fairies. It made me so happy. You're introduced to the man pissing, and then he starts killing fairies. <laughs> <laughs> what a great turnaround. <laughs> I think he's one of the best sidekicks that I've seen in, in films that I've been watching lately. Because Agreed. he's caring, he's supportive, but he tells you right up front he's a coward, and that's his main downfall that he has to personally work through to be a dynamic character as well. And does does he do it? Sure, but does he do it well? No, because he's a real type of personality. He struggles with what he's, you know, having problems with. Great sidekick. Yeah. Ryan, you're not going to get it perfect on the first try, so... I actually really appreciate that they didn't have him get it perfect on the first try, but that they did have him try. And it was shown that the the lead character was understanding that, yes, you'll make mistakes, it's okay, but you still came through for me. You know, it's it's a very positive message that you can make mistakes and still and She's awfully forgiving for through. the fact that, you know, he fucking poisons her. I also credit this movie for teaching me the word oubliette when I was a tiny, tiny kid. Something that never came up until I started playing D&D. And then it's all over D&D. That's a tricky one. Which is weird. Is it? Yeah. I've never encountered an oubliette uh, in D&D, interestingly enough. I have encountered it in my French class, where that word comes from. Yeah. It's really weird when you don't hear that word again for, like... Decades? Two decades. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, like, you're like, oh, here's the oubliette in the castle. And you're like, what? These things are real? <laughs> yeah, that's a it's a real thing. It's exactly what they said. It's a place where you put prisoners to, to forget about them. And yeah. people would often starve to death in there. It was, it's kind of like Dark Knight Rises, where they throw Batman into a giant hole. Same idea. And some castles are built so that you can continue to hear them wailing and pleading for their life because for some odd reason you this want a, to hear this that. This isn't a dark movie. It's this isn't a dark weird. movie. Rich people are this weird. This isn't a dark movie. This isn't a dark movie, guys. <laughs> and I'll give this movie a big thumbs up by using circular storytelling in that at the beginning we see Sarah performing the scene from The Labyrinth and the way the movie needs to wrap up is that she needs to say the line she struggles with and can't really fully remember and sneezes and coughs her way through. So even with a great amount of character development, she's still good old Sarah who can't remember that one line. To be fair, I also couldn't remember you the know one what? line. I can't, I can't really remember <laughs> what the line was to begin with. I was going to give her shit and I was like, uh, what was it? Because, because as you're going through that final speech, you're like, wow, this is a really disjointed set of words that they just wanted to sound super fancy. I don't understand at all what she's trying to get across with this speech. She just keeps forgetting that you have no power over me. Yeah, I mean, the, it's an important line right there. Okay, well, <laughs> since we're there, kind yep. of. Uh, so, uh, you know how we just did Jurassic Park, and then we wrap that up, and then days after we wrap that up, Laura Dern comes out and says... You know, I never really uh, thought about it, but me and uh, Alan's 
uh, relationship in this movie are, is a little inappropriate. I was 23 and he was 40. Oh my. And we went into, into that being like, well, they're not really in a relationship. They're, they're like, they seem more like besties than like, it yeah. could go the other way. But mm-hmm. in this movie, it really felt like there was strange attractions between the two. Almost like, eerily I know the two to the point are, where are those ages, but the like the characters are not. But we was thirty nine in this movie, and she was fourteen. Well, I mean, technically, if you look at the character ages, like, like, and then Jareth is going to be hundreds. Well, I was of also of years old. I'll I'll have more to say that on point, like, that later in the movie. Sure, in the movie. So the same the same thing with Laura Dern saying that yeah, you know the these two King. characters are are not appropriate. What? How old is Grant and? I assume they're supposed to be the same age, 23 and 40. Ah, uh, okay. I guess it's not. That's not necessarily even remotely how movies cast people, so it's hard to say. Right. But it is time for the section. I don't like that we've made this section. a thing. Oh. Because you guys have things that you don't like about movies, and we don't make a scene for you. Yeah. I've already kind Wait. of been into the Dan section anyway. Yeah, uh, let's just with- keep rolling. The uncomfortableness of the uh, relationship there, where there feels like there's supposed to be something there, and uh, it's just kind of creepy. Well, that's in that's a way. intentional. It's supposed to be creepy. And it might. It probably doesn't help that I was reading articles about this movie, and eventually, once you start reading articles, you're gonna end up into the weird, weird, creepy section of the internet. So maybe I accidentally dipped a toe into the weird section of the internet. I sure hope I didn't. But oh, Ken oh, no. stumbled into some fanfics. No, not that. <laughs> not that. This this was still articles written, not necessarily uh, alternate histories written. I, I'll know if I get that far in and be like, no, out, back, no, no, not for me, no. <laughs> Hoggle, what are you doing? No, stop it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is a family movie. Stop it. Uh, Jareth decides to string his balls to create a new device. Oh, <laughs> speaking of string balls, uh, Jareth wasn't actually the one playing with those glass balls. No. I learned that just before we started watching. There was someone around his back. I learned that a couple years ago and it broke my heart because I was actually looking at getting one of those because I saw it linked on like Amazon or something. And I was like, oh man, I've always wanted one of those. And then I realized, oh, he just had somebody doing it in front of him. Yeah. Makes me really depressed. <laughs> it won't make you less cool if you know how to do it with glass. But I thought Bowie was cool. I thought Bowie was the one doing it. Bowie's just a little less cool, I guess. Hey, the guy who actually did it, it was, like, amazing, because he couldn't see what he was doing, hardly. That is very true. That is very true. He did an amazing job for somebody who wasn't even able to be up and actually watching his own hand. Yeah, unlike the Muppeteers who get to, you know, have the thing, he just had to do it blind. It still is cool that that is actually someone doing that. Yeah, for sure. would they do that today? Probably not. They'd probably see that They'd find that an actor crap. who could actually juggle. That being said, they cut those scenes with him juggling the these spheres really well either way it's cool like not yeah not sure. knowing it you you would have not knowing that it wasn't david bowie juggling you'd have no idea and now it, that has ruined the movie for me because i know and i have to say something every time you don't have to say anything dan you don't know i can't to, there's a compulsion that i i cannot fight can you see where the guy's sticking his arm out like that's now that i know that no, i kind of want to go back and see if can't. i can see it looks like david bowie's shoulders and elbow go to where they belong yeah 
Yeah, it's it's that well done. It's an amazing cut. And they cut away at just the right time for where to show. It doesn't show. I'm glad we got that out before we went full, Dan. Yeah, I was going to say, we also forgot to talk about the Escher staircase. We mentioned it, but man, that was good, too. Very good. really, really good. Drawn out. Jeez, it went on for too long. We're in the dance section now. Uh, (laughs) Also, babies in this movie? You know how I feel about babies in movies. God, it's, it's something about them. They're just so helpless and annoying there's like what are you doing here stop it just stop no don't <sighs> chen doesn't like babies in movies because babies can't act yeah well i also just <laughs> in general have that babies don't do things for me that do for normal people people are like oh it's so cute and everything I'm like eh, it's it's fair no that's it's fair. still being worked on i don't like children either and so like i don't get the cuteness factor so like when they do things it has to be legitimately cute otherwise it's just like well so babies don't trigger things inside me that apparently is supposed to be triggered so uh when they throw a baby into a movie unless it's doing something legitimately cute and isn't cgi then it's just another thing there that's just like oh great a baby's here for tension so you like boss baby uh no i haven't seen it but no right no have i seen it i may have vaguely seen parts of it and it was meh. no joe i think he's saying he likes uh look who's talking because then the baby's Absolutely have not seen that. That's adults. I think you'd see me watching Son of Mask first. (laughs) Have you watched the show old enough? Yes! Yes! Oh, it's an amazing show. They're not babies, but they're like toddler age and a little bit older, but that's when they start doing (laughs) cute things. That show is incredible. I stumbled across that one day and I just could not stop watching. (laughs) It's good. For those unaware, it's on Netflix. Check it out. It's it's toddlers being sent off to do adult things in Japan. <laughs> it's wonderful. Okay, that actually sounds like it might be fun. <laughs> it's stuff. It's stuff like they give the kid like, here's three bucks. Go take this train down to this this street that goes to this ferry. Take the ferry across the river and go get fish from this market uh, and bring I'm it back. <laughs> and it's like That's toddlers. Fine. Like toddlers. Nah. It's so good. You say that, Dan. I've watched episodes. You say that now. Thank you. No. Really? Why are you letting children do these things? And then... And and just... (laughs) I just... And Japan. Clearly so they can comment on along the way and make fun of them Uh... with every step. Oh, you dropped the fish, you dumbass! (laughs) What's he gonna do now? child abuse monetized. Well, it's it's actually um, to give you a better picture that children are um, smarter than they sent look. out to like walk to school and stuff like that in by Japan. themselves at a yeah. very young age in Japan. So it's something that happens anyway. It's just they made a TV and show about it and to show kids it. being cute to hopefully inspire people to have kids. It's meant to. I I feel it's meant to make people want to have more kids because they have a very low birth rate in that country yeah i could be very wrong that's that's definitely but it feels like that's what that show is meant to do anyway okay so if we're gonna jump if we're gonna jump into my my part of the film my this whole thing now lead it up dan the problem that i have with this film is that they they tease so much of like this big world and you get so little of it, and there's nothing else. 
It doesn't. Well, it's I just, she's under pressure. She's got a clock. For she's whatever against. reason, I can't. Is that a, get, a vacation? She doesn't get to just enjoy things. I, I want more out of this movie, and you don't get but it. But that's a good thing. When you leave a movie wanting, that's better. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Because they were talking about doing a sequel at one point. Before Bowie died in 2016, they were talking about doing a sequel. And it just never happened. And I'm so glad it didn't because now you're always going to have that feeling. I don't want that feeling. That is not, that's not good for me. Oh, but it's the best feeling. It's, it's when they start hammering you with like 15 different Labyrinth prequels and then comics and everything else under the sun. It's, it's when they Star Wars you and take away all the joy and suck it all out. Like, we had to know that Han Solo was named Han Solo because of a reason versus just knowing oh, his name Same thing can be said Solo. about Shrek. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's shoehorning things in. No, we do not need more Shreks. We, no, we need more Shreks. The second, the second Shrek, Shrek we was need, We need a million more Shreks. Was where it should have stopped. More Shreks. Shrek is love. Shrek that is life. Minions. Yeah, I agree. Minions needs to be stopped. <laughs> but uh, Minions is just the new version of Looney Tunes. Like, all of our parents were obsessed with Looney Tunes for some reason. Like, they had those gross, stupid tattoos and shirts that just <laughs> were awful. <laughs> That's Minions now. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just it's coupling whatever the hell they feel sayings-wise onto a Minion, and there it is. That's their personality. <laughs> you wanted more, you didn't get it. that's the thing. Like, I keep, okay. I keep, I keep watching this film... And I keep being reminded of the things that I want to get out of the movie or get more of in some other medium, and there isn't. There's Frego Rock. Not the same universe. I feel like it's the same universe. How do you know? Just a different corner of the universe. Yeah, there's Dark Crystal. They always come bundled together as a Blu-ray or DVD. I love the Dark Crystal TV series. Yet. That's my uh, fault. That scratched the itch that I needed, and then Netflix killed it. Yep. As like they it do. always as does. Um, Dan, how would you feel if this had gone like the Beetlejuice route? Beetlejuice is an amazing film, and it's on its own. There's no sequel yet. Thank God. It's been talked about for 30 years. <laughs> However, all of a sudden there's a Saturday morning kids cartoon. Like, what if there's a Saturday morning labyrinth cartoon? Do you feel like that would have scratched um, the itch for you? Maybe. I don't know. Do I want to see don't these think... things as cartoons? It would have. I think it would have been the same vein. Like, you, you have Beetlejuice and... I like the, I like the Beetlejuice TV show growing Lydia, up. I love the TV weird, show. It's weird, creepy... I did, too. But but if you look at that, like, it, it turned it into this weird angle where they're, like, budding romantic friends in the in the cartoon. Whereas, I, I feel like that'd be the same thing with this. Well, we'll never know, because it won't happen. Oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, I feel like it probably would have been in the same vein, almost. But instead of getting that, we got Muppet Babies. Hey. Nothing wrong with Muppet Don't Babies. Don't talk ill of Muppet Babies. Right, they do make your dreams come true. <laughs> Muppet Babies, way before the Disney mergers and everything, back when we were wee childrens sitting in our living rooms, they somehow had the ability to talk through all the red tape and get those Muppet Babies and TIE Fighters and dressed as Indiana Jones in that opening. That's true. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, Henson, Magic Henson, and uh, George Lucas were friends. In fact, uh, George Lucas was on Labyrinth, I think, and decided to not make a big deal of it because he wanted Henson to have the limelight. I think he was a producer or something. Hmm. There's a ton of Lucasfilm employees working. They were yeah. what Industrial Light and Magic is now. Oh, so there was like 50 people working on the Owl from probably. Lucasfilm. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. So watching this movie, I had a rather like, oh, yay, because I wanted to watch it thinking, how did I see this when I was 
younger in the 80s how was i watching this and when i saw jennifer connelly turn around and i was like oh god damn it i feel (laughs) old now because I remember thinking like, oh, she's right like, there she's you. mature looking and stuff like that as a kid. And I'm just like, oh, my God, she is so she's just a small uh-huh. kid. I think I think the problem for us, too, Joe, is we've come full circle. We grew up with Jennifer Connelly as a young child looking mature in this. And then we've seen Jennifer Connelly in recent roles, you know, like Maverick, where she's starting to look pretty old. But then there's also stuff in between, like Requiem for a Dream. I was going to say Requiem for a Dream. (laughs) Yep, we've seen Jennifer Connelly in a lot of different lights (laughs) since we saw this as a child. There's no going back. You can't just erase all of that. (laughs) Yeah, it it was just reminding me, time marches on. Yes, it does. The, The disc I have is the 30th anniversary edition. So that was from 2006. 10, 20, no, nope. what? 20, 20, it was from 2016. Sorry, my bad. So in four years, that movie is going to be 40 years old. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was like top on my, like, this is what I don't like. <laughs> Movies making me feel old right away at the beginning. Yeah. Movies will do that to you. Especially once that came out. Yeah. However long ago, to 1986 So was. 20 years from 86 to be 2006. It's almost 26. Yeah. So That's it's almost edition. 40 years old. Yep. Yeah. My yeah. God. We could also go 36 to make you feel better. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds 36 and 86. Yeah, that right. sounds about 36 right. 36 sounds about right. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, the green screen scene wasn't great because of it not, you know, it, it's just... At 86, how many times did we have a lot of good green screen other than uh, Blade Runner? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of Tron still in points. Tron did not. Do no, they didn't. They had no green, green screen. screen. That was though. all all. It was all roto. It was all rotoscoped. Black everything was, was their key. Yep, and a lot of it had um like yep. I want to say uh, reflective tape, which mm-hmm. they enhanced the reflections. And that's like it, it was cool, but there's not as much well, CG I mean, as you in think the, in the that areas movie. that are not like blatantly CG. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, kind of the same effect as in Escape from New York with the buildings, because that wasn't computer generated. That was just you know a miniature city with reflective tape on all the corners mm-hmm. to make it look like it was grid. Mm-hmm. AKA Dan's favorite movie. <laughs> Watch that over Caddyshack. Said it last week, two weeks ago. Say it again. Yep. <laughs> Oh, it warms my heart. But yeah, I I'll I'll say some background music is not anything to call home about. Is that a bad thing? No, it's just it something that bothered you. It doesn't. You know, I was looking for anything to say that's like, hey, this part wasn't great. And it's like, yeah, some of the background music is meh, but whatever, it does the job. It gets you into the emotion that they want you to, I guess. But I, I can argue that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That David Bowie's music, as much as I like it, sometimes felt shoehorned into the scenes that they were filming. Like Dance Magic Dance just came out of nowhere. That eh. you're a monster. You're a monster. Sure. I mean, we got to be critical. We got to sure. be critical of these films, guys. But we that's... can't. We can't just. Yeah. I mean, do we though? We we did do all of Jurassic we? Park, and we were critical of it there, and we're critical of it now. Right, Jurassic Park. We're doing different differently though this is this is our standard we don't have to 
We don't have to man baby every movie. This is fine. This is a. This was a fine movie. Just, just close your eyes and think of the cleaners. Just think of the cleaners. I don't know what eyes. that means. The cleaners when they come on their the little cart. The with their oh, the cleaners. Blades. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I, they they even <laughs> pulled off the uh, early video game. Uh, is this a wall I can blow up? Scene. Yes. Yes. This wall is slightly mm-hmm. different colored. I guess I can push on it till it moves. <laughs> I I had an interesting uh, reaction this time around. I've like I said, I've seen this movie about it at least a dozen times, and I've always hated Jennifer Connelly in like the first half because I thought the acting was way over the top. It was ridiculous. It is. I thought she was just terrible, and I could not stand how whiny of a brat she was. It's like I don't even care about her character at all. <laughs> like, good for her that this is happening. But this time around, it actually did kind of hit, and it did kind of sink. It's like okay. It's on purpose, and I've just been too critical through all these years. But it is super over the top. This is this is a fine criticism because as I was watching, I was like, "Man, she is, she is just, ah, oh, this is terrible. This is awful." The scene with her in the room with the baby it it feels like it's like a like a, like a read, like like she came in for a read, right? Like she's trying to be as dramatic as possible. She's not really like looking at the baby, and it's just like she's delivering a line and. Uh, I get it, but I think I think with the the newfound information of her mom being an actress and like just her trying to emulate that and the overtop ridiculousness, just like the woe is me and everything else mixed in, it just it, it hit different this time sure. for me. Yeah, yeah, you could play that. Perhaps that she's doing the uh, community theater bit so much that she just comes off as that in her real life. And some teenagers are just really <laughs> overdramatic. I mean, that's a reality. Well, then I have a Degrassi for you. No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that also makes her character all the more uh, visible in dynamics when at the end of the movie she is yeah, not that way exactly, anymore. Exactly, which I didn't really appreciate until this viewing. Like, this viewing really changed that for me where I could actually see the grand transition from the beginning to the end. But did she really have to put away all of the toys... Yes. Was that really required? Yes. Is growth. growing up putting away toys, is that really necessary? Does, is that what we need to be telling people? <laughs> as I sit here as a 34-year-old with about two dozen Jurassic Park toys sitting on my desk in front of me. Right. I just lined up all the characters, and now there's a Velociraptor coming around the corner. So, about that, Ken, that's, um, it's not about the fact that she's getting rid of all her toys. It's about what it represents. It represents the fact that... Represented giving up childish yep, things. Yep, she's, she's hoarding her childhood. She's holding on desperately to when she was young through all these things. And at the end of the movie, when she says, okay, let let's, these can go, means that she has let that part of her life go, and she's honestly maturing now. It doesn't really mean that, yes, she's getting rid of every single toy. It just, it's a physical representation of her maturing. All I know is that adults aren't allowed to be happy. That's what I get out of it. Well, of course not. They, they barely even get a date. Right? But, but in this movie, at the very end, they combat that, suggesting that her parents kind of are in their rut of adultness and they don't have to be because those 
friends that she made on this journey, which are a representation of all these things in her own room manifested in her imagination, come back and say, if you should ever need us. And she immediately says, yes, from time to time. I uh, Let me get that this right. Because uh, she doesn't say it in future tense. She says it in now. She says, I need you time to time. I need you. And um, that's not because she's an adult now and needs them. It's because we as viewers are the adults and stuff. And she's that's showing that like don't forget that you have that imagination where you can make these wonderful worlds that you can escape to if you need to if the world is honestly too harsh and too you know unbearable you have that childlike imagination and ability to build these things and maybe even you know for sake of like um really terrible events you can hide there and that's always an option as an adult. You just have to say, yes, I need that right yeah, now. Yeah, okay, I'll stop Joe being... Joe uh, getting all nice. deep over here. Holy shit. I'll stop being so cynical. Wow. I forgot about the very last, very end of the movie. That was really... I, yeah, I'm, I'm done, guys. I can't, I can't, I can't be... I can't be pissy about this anymore. Holy fuck. <laughs> So, have you also heard the uh, prevailing fan theory about this film that's been kicking around? I have not. That I don't. I don't like it myself. I think it makes everything too tangible, and it gets rid of the fantasy. But it's basically that Jareth was a real person that fell in love with a uh, person named Sarah. I'm assuming in this fantasy world. And but Sarah's parents wouldn't let him marry her because of uh, she was to watch over their uh, younger brother, blah, blah, blah. So he instead then kidnaps the baby and turns the baby into a, a goblin and then they marry. But uh, I guess apparently this Sarah that he marries dies horribly. And then um, he continues to try and find a Sarah that fits the exact same mold because that's like his like now how he expresses his grief so he goes out into the the real uh what we consider the real world and does this where he steals babies to turn them into goblins and it, it they said uh like it explains why Hoggle says oh it's you right away when he meets Sarah and when she says her name is Sarah he says that's what I thought because this has happened time and time oh, that's again. That's why there's so many goblins. Oh, I don't, those are I don't all like the, that. The baby brothers like, from all I the Sarahs. Like no, I don't care for it either. I think it destroys a lot of the magic. I think it more likely that she took a while to get to the thing. And Hoggle was given a task to not help Sarah yeah. get through the labyrinth. Yeah. Much more likely, a lot less. 100%. I agree. Jared told Hoggle that she was coming, and it took her way longer to get to the labyrinth than Hoggle was expecting her to, and he was just put out by it. Yeah. A lot of people seem that uh, commented on it were all, like, approving of it, and I'm just like, but it doesn't—it's what Andy was saying earlier. We don't need the backstory of who Jareth is. We don't need that. 
No, we do this not. This movie is magical enough as it is. We don't need some dumb backstory to try and explain why everything is happening. No. Exactly. Exactly. I've said it time and time again on this podcast. I, I just feel like movies and people specifically are so obsessed with trying to steal away all the imagination. Everything has to be explained. Everything has to have some sort of backstory. Everything has to be connected in some way, shape, or form. Long gone are the movies where you can just, like, sit and stew over them when they're done and think about all the stuff that you didn't get to see or didn't get enough time. We don't get movies like that at all anymore anyways. gone. Because those don't make money. Yeah. I know. It's it's depressing. So, we've kind of talked about it. Uh, Has anyone's view of this film, positive or negative, changed since... uh, their original viewing or when they viewed it as a kid doesn't have to be the original viewing. Well, with this sudden epiphany that you just dropped on me, um, it's not a favorite fa- film of mine and I don't think it ever will be, but I'm not going to fault people f- who do enjoy it. Sure. So I think it's gone from something that's just more of an irritation to watch to something that is neutral. Okay. I think I have, like Sarah, gone through some character development and went from being a melodramatic weirdo about this movie to <laughs> actually really enjoying watching it. Yeah, no, I, I went from being humdrum about the movie, like, eh, it's fine, eh, whatever, eh, I don't really care for it, to, no, this is this is a, actually a pretty wonderful movie. It definitely prize on my love of Henson movies, like, I just enjoy watching him and I have to be in the right mood because the stuff is a bit aged. See, and that's, that's kind of the big thing is there's obviously, is it a perfect movie? No. Does it have its issues? Yes. Is there anything else like it though? Hell no. I mean, this movie is one of the most original, crazy, awesome movies that you can go and watch and know that there's not like 15 other ones waiting for you with different actors and different characters off to the side. That's what I love about this. It's gone. That whole feeling is gone. <laughs> this is just one of those amazing movies where you can pop it in and it's like, this is Labyrinth. There's not like four different fantasy movies that are trying to do the same thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll agree that not every single aspect of this movie is great, but that I feel it is well balanced. And even though maybe the Bowie music isn't the Bowie music I always want to cue up and I don't feel like I fully like all the songs I can either sing along with all of them or at least mumble in pitch through them because I'm so familiar with them and they're part of this film and even if they're not great songs for me I still know them and I will still sing along with them because yeah I mean I like the movie I mean Chili Down is a catchy-ass song. <laughs> it is catchy as hell. I sit there and hum Chili Down <laughs> later up. These songs clearly aren't the newsies, but... Oh, ho, 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 ho. But, but they're, they're fine. They, they mostly fit what they're supposed to fit in the movie. Although sometimes it feels like a... Uh, it sometimes feels like Bowie's doing a first take, only take on his musical uh, songs. The first... The, when the movie first opens, that song kind of sounds a little rough, but then when they add the backing instruments to it, when it's... Yeah. Like halfway through the movie yeah it sounds great yeah and i'm a big fan of ludo we never talked about ludo (laughs) same here anybody who doesn't like ludo is a sociopath anything that can call rocks makes me happy rock friend (laughs) (laughs) oh who let ludo in here holy crap that was good that was great (laughs) 
Holy shit. Now does the film stand up? I think it's I think it's to answer your question, Joe, it's still it still holds up as a film. Like this this movie doesn't have anything that puts it outside of well, it that puts it it like the not puts it outside, but puts it in a specific time period. It's kinda eighties. I thought I mean it's kinda eighties, but like that's all the films that we've been watching are all kind of 80s. Well, yeah, because it's from the 80s and 90s. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, there, yeah, it's it's fine. It doesn't it doesn't do anything that would cause it. It's not blatantly racist or sexist in any way. Like yeah. the last film that we watched, like there isn't anything socially unacceptable in it. Well, there's the bulge. Well, we don't talk about the bulge. <laughs> That I felt like it got bigger as the movie progressed this time. <laughs> <laughs> I think the film holds up. It doesn't need to be anything fancier than what it is. I I think it's fanciful in the story it tells, and that carries it. And I think... It doesn't lean on any nostalgia. No, I, I think that this... I, well, I mean, it... It leans on Bowie nostalgia now a l- little bit, but that wasn't a little bit. It wasn't intentional. <laughs> yeah, but like I think this could be introduced to anyone, and at the right time, this could hit right with anyone. Mm-hmm. Well, if no one else has anything to say about uh, if it stands up, nothing else you guys haven't said. I mean, honestly, it it still holds up to me, and I agree with what you said. It could be introduced to almost anybody at this time. Yep. Well, that was us howling at the sky and calling our rock friends to come watch Labyrinth. Please like, rate, review, comment, subscribe, all them shenanigans. Hey, we're on, you know, all these podcast outlets where we actually have um, the audio is also on YouTube. If that works better for you, it might, but we're over there too. Um, And come back next time when we will be nibbling at the jungles of somewhere out there as we terrorize locals with Rambo First Blood. What a transition from... I have from no idea what I'm saying about Rambo. <laughs> when, when I saw that it was streaming, I was like, yeah, this is the perfect to, to bounce off of something like Labyrinth and go right in the weird other opposite angle. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta terrorize them, locals. They just deserve it. Whoa. I'm not sure I've seen this movie before. All he wanted was a warm... Oh, you're in for a surprise. I'm not going to say anything else. Because this is, this is one of those rare movies where the first one is incredible, and then it just completely becomes something that it never was every single right. second. No, afterwards. I understand that. I've, I've been uh, spoiled the movie, so I'm like, eh, whatever. I don't need to watch it. Yeah, the first one's incredible. I absolutely love the first one. I go back and watch it maybe every other year or so just because it's that good it's mm. it's a good movie and then after that it just becomes ridiculous why? absolutely why do i suddenly have sympathy for the devil playing in my head because it's a fine song <laughs> it is, so it come is. back in two weeks when we rewind again sarah sarah friend mm.